Hello and welcome to Dream Nation. I'm your host, Julia. And in my best DJ Khaled impression. And another one. We the best podcast. I've been listening to DJ Khaled all morning long. And I really love him. He's really great. I would love, love, love to have him on my podcast. I think he's a really great businessman. I really love his Snap channel. So shout out to DJ Khaled. He gives me a lot of energy in the morning and in the evening. We'll love to have him on the show. And speaking of energy... I'd like to tell you about a really great product called Particle. They're out of OptiVault Labs. You can check them out at optivoltlabs.com. And they're out of Chicago, and it's a really great solar iPhone case. It's actually the fastest charging solar battery iPhone case. I usually go through about two Mophies a day. I'm on my phone a lot, and I really need a lot of juice. So Particle is really great because it's an iPhone case that can charge outdoors and get ready for this, it's going to blow your mind, indoors. It takes about 7 hours to charge, it's an iPhone case, and it's solar. They have a 100% money back guarantee if you don't like it either. It's a really great product, so check it out, tell your friends, and enjoy the podcast. And also, if you love the podcast, please share it with your friends because I definitely would love more people to discover it. Have a great day and enjoy the show. My thighs just clapped. Together. Stop it! <laughs> Congratulations. They gave they your thighs just applauded you. You need to listen to your body. Your thighs just applauded you, and I applaud them. <laughs> Let's give a round of applause. Applaud your for thighs. Our thighs. Thighs all day. Thighs all day. So I'm here with Stephanie Bain Carey, and she's the group creative director of Tribal Worldwide North America. She has done amazing award-winning work for Nestle, J&J, Phillips, and she's also a writer, a mother, a wife, just an amazing human mm-hmm. being, a purveyor of hip-hop. <laughs> according, Always. <laughs> according to your Twitter profile, you are a life liaison, purveyor of fine random thought, and a giver of useful advice you may never need. That's true. I always need your advice, though. <laughs> if it's on Twitter, it has to be true. So my podcast starts out with me asking all my guests um, what was their dream as a kid. Mm. My dream as a kid was probably to be a fashion designer. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to make clothes. That was like my my thing. My creative outlet was was kind of getting my hands on clothes and remaking them, oddly enough. Did you actually like get to a pair of scissors or were you just drawing? Yeah, and and actually like a couple times into my mom's closet, which she was not happy about. <laughs> you know, that and world peace. You know what I mean? They go hand in hand. Yeah. Look at the hippies. I know. Peace is a fashion statement. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, so how did your love of fashion lead you to writing? What is your That's memory? a great question. Well, it's funny because I, I kind of think that like what I do now is kind of, um, you know, I create ideas, kind of like how I would create clothing. So maybe it's more figurative now than literal. And I and I had a little, I dabbled in fashion at some point um, in my life, and I enjoyed it. But I love what I do, and you can really have outlets. You don't have to give up one dream to to focus on the other. Um, but yeah, but I I kind of imagine what I do is similar to designing. You know, it's just ideas versus physical uh, cloth in my hands. Well, fashion is pop culture, right? It's expression, and Mm -hmm. it's a way to let the world see what you stand for, which is like advertising. Yeah. You know, you wear um, a dress much like you would wear a billboard. Exactly. Or a billboard for a dress, which would be really out there. Why not? 
live your dream. <laughs> live your dream. Just go for it. I actually, this one reminded me years ago when you were making t-shirts and I remember that's right. they were really great. Couture t-shirts. Couture t-shirts. I did not quit my day job and thank goodness for that. But it was a side <laughs> project that like basically my nights after work were filled with couture t-shirt making. Yeah, I remember you were at JWT and I would come over and you had all these racks of t-shirts and you uh -huh. were cutting them up, you were beating them, you were silk screening them. Yeah. And you were always doing stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, passion in multiple areas similar to what you do. Right? Well, I wonder if it's like that's what women are stuck doing. Like, we have our day jobs, and then at night we just toil away on our little, like, ideas. Yeah. Where, I don't know, I don't know if it's different for men, where they just get funded for their idea. They're like, I have an idea for a t-shirt company, right, and some right. other man is like, here's money here for go. a t-shirt company. <laughs> We've so, notoriously had to work a little harder. We always have a day job and a night job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but that's what makes us good because we can just do it. Yeah, the multitasking. Yeah. We're the good at it. We're good at it. So, back to what is your first memory of writing? My first memory of writing, it was, uh, it was probably a paper, which you hand wrote back in the days, but on like wide, you remember like the composition? They were like wide. It wasn't like yes. the narrow lines, it was like the wide. And because of that, I feel like I write big now. Um, but anyway, uh, sidetrack. It was a paper I wrote on my mom being president, the first female president. Well, your mom was a senator in Delaware. That's right, state senator. So you had a grand vision for your mom. Yeah, it was probably around the same time. And being, you know, I, it was fourth, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. So those are like very transitional times as like a little girl and being in legislative hall and kind of around politicians and not, you know, at that age, it's, it's all about nice people, right? You don't really get caught up at all in the game of politics because you're, you know, an eight-year-old. But yeah, like it was really interesting how, um, you know, I wrote about her being president, you know, the first female president, which was like such a crazy concept back then. It you still know? is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It still is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's not. Your children are going to be like the next female president. I'm pretty Maybe. sure. I'm pretty Maybe. sure your kids are going to be. They like may run against each other. They probably I just would. can imagine the competition is going to like full swing. So there are three generations of leadership in your family, right? Your mom taught a lot of leadership classes. Mm -hmm. You obviously lead. <laughs> and you're probably looking at your daughters going, Oh, yeah. You know, like, how do I transfer all the knowledge that my mom gave me to them? Yeah. I, I have to say, though, I feel like they're natural leaders. I mean, a little too much. Sometimes I got to <laughs> reel them in, and I'm like, I am the parent. My four-year-old, I mean, she just, she'll find a way. She's very, she's very much like a lawyer. She just always kind of negotiates, and, and I'm like, wow, like, we got to watch this one. <laughs> so, yeah, they, there's a lot of, like, natural leadership qualities in them. And, of course, like, I do what I can to like empower them and to, you know, be confident as much as you can. So. So going back to your mom, you and uh, your mother, Margo, who's a wonderful human being. <laughs> Thank you. So both of you published a book called I'll Miss You Too. Yes. And that was a first book. It was a college guide for yeah. parents and students. What advice do you have for people who would like to write and publish a book? Do it. I mean, the writer's market is a really good manual to have. It kind of 
maps out kind of how to put a proposal together and the items you need. So it's great for structure. And it was great. It kind of taught you how to outline. So for us, it was like creating the, you know, the outline of the book and kind of figuring out the areas we wanted to speak on, but then just doing it. Like you just got to get out there and, and you know, I mean, Stephen King, David Sedaris, like they all, they all tell stories about being rejected by X amount until they got picked up. I mean, it's just kind of like the way of the world. Like you can't let no get you down. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling, I think, had 80 declines. Oh, yeah. She was a good one. She was a good one, She was right? a good one. She really stuck it to those critics. She really did. And she was a single mother, unemployed, with, like, three kids or yeah. three girls. Also an amazing tweeter. Yes. Like, hard. her tweets are kind of hard to beat. She really sticks it to people, and I appreciate that. Your tweets are amazing. I was actually going through your tweets yesterday, trying to figure out what I was going to talk to you about. And They're like, random. <laughs> they are random. It is like stream of consciousness of Stephanie. Can we plug your Twitter account? Or sure. Your yeah. It is. <laughs> Baniac. <laughs> it is Baniac. And uh, she's a purveyor of fine random uh, thoughts. Yeah. It gets random. Yeah. Once whole- in a while, though, I'll get that thing. And you'll be like, yes, which is the whole point, you know? Especially the one about if you really want a challenge for the day, <laughs> try peeling an orange with your non-dominant yeah. hand. Yeah, yeah. That's a challenge. It's, it's yeah. I had, a, I had a cut, actually, on my dominant hand, left-handed, and I, it was like a, I had to, like, talk myself through it, like the peel. It was, like, very frustrating. A test of patience and... Yeah, stamina, like the whole deal. It's a meditation. Multiple, it really is. Who knew? Who knew? How did you get into advertising? So you wrote about your mom as a president. Yeah. You um, published the book. Yeah. And how did you get into advertising? I, well, I took a lot of advertising classes in college. It's funny because I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what it was called. Like, I didn't know copywriting was a thing. It wasn't a thing growing up when we were our age. Yeah, I mean... It was only in Syracuse. There were no ad schools. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But I kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I went to University of Miami and had a great school of communication. And they had a whole advertising department. So I really dabbled in, like, a little bit of graphic design. And I took amazing art courses because you had to, like, take 101 through whatever. So I was, like, using my hands a lot and learning the programs, which are, of course, like, you know, there's been, like, 39 iterations of them since then. There were, like, hamsters running the computers back then. It was great. I kind of knew what I wanted to do right away. So I graduated with wanting a job in advertising. Like, it wasn't like, oh, what am I going to do? I kind of knew. And we wrote the book, so from both sides, so Off to College Guide from two points of view, and we kind of mapped it out and wrote a lot of the book while I was away over the four years. So we had it published as I was kind of graduating. So we were doing book stuff, but at the same time, I was trying to get into the world of advertising. So it was kind of nice to have both outlets, you know? I think, especially in advertising, you need another outlet because if you're using just one outlet Mm -hmm. to provide satisfaction, it can be really frustrating. Yeah. Because in advertising, we'll come up with ideas, we'll come up with concepts, they'll get killed. And you need to be able to take that frustration and funnel it into something else and have it be a distraction so the blows are not so hard. Yeah. You can just kind of get up again and start again. It's true. It's true, and it could be it could be another hobby, mm-hmm. or it could be just taking a moment to decompress everything. Like I, you know, I always like my earbuds. It's like when I walk out of here, it's like music in the like the head. Like that is how I zone out, or get psyched up, or whatever. But like music to me is kind of an outlet. Obviously, like 
times are busy with two little ones running around and work is busy, which is great. But yeah, it's like taking those little moments. Yeah, it's being in the now. Mm -hmm. So your first job was at JWT. How did you get your foot in the door? I pounded the pavement. I kind of, you know, I was recent graduate. I could have chosen to stay and go to portfolio school, but I literally wanted to get into advertising like immediately. There was a lot of cold calling. Like this is back before portfolios were online. <laughs> so, you know, I had my printed out portfolio, which was like, not awesome. I knew if I could get in the door that I could vibe with people. And that's what happened. Like I, I started at JWT, like the team that I was working for pretty much. It was like an awesome group of renegades, you know, that had done like really awesome advertising. And it was a pleasure to work with them. You know, I learned a lot. I was there probably three years. It's such a great learning curve, you know, going on shoots and like figuring out how to write a script. The biggest thing too is like a writer is, you know, you're very verbose and you're timed. You know, you have these slots of time that you have to write to. So that's where I really tried to focus on editing skills. They're so important, aren't they? So important. My favorite thing to do though, now. All great advertising at its root is great storytelling. Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, we had only a few channels. They were mm -hmm. TV, radio, print. Now we have social. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for executing a strong campaign across many, many mediums? How do we tell a consistent story across many platforms? First of all, you need a big idea, always. So you need something that can be executed across multiple channels. And that's a challenge I love. You know, if you have that big idea or that thematic something, each channel, and I'm actually a big stickler for this, is each channel should be treated differently, like within social. You know, if you're gonna be on Instagram or have a brand present on Instagram, know how Instagram works. Play as Instagram plays. Don't try to shoehorn your brand into, you know, a channel that doesn't, number one, work for the brand or don't do it in a way that suits the brand. You gotta do it in the way that suits the channel. You understand how people consume that type of content. And that has to be recreated for every channel, you know? Really, the days of repurposing assets are going away. And it's all about creating, if you need to get the vertical shot for Snapchat, you have to shoot that vertical, you know? And you get away with being able to repurpose sometimes, but not as much as you used to be able to. So, but for me, that's great, you know? It's a different medium, it should be treated differently. And if the idea is big enough, you'll be able to do that. But you'll need more teams to manage all that. <laughs> so brands always yeah. need more people to produce the work and then also manage these channels because yeah. you have to manage these channels. Absolutely. And you gotta participate in the conversation. Exactly. You have to create it, but then you have to participate in it. Yeah. My other question is, how do you balance being the group creative director of a continent, yeah. a wife and a mom to two kids, while also maintaining a great relationship with both of your parents? Wow. Well, I'm a group creative director of a city, so oh, I, appreci I appreciate that. I mean, we're going to see what we can do about that. I'm, I'll, <laughs> aim for the, I'll aim for the seven continents while we're at it, so fine. The universe. Um, totally universe. I, I think Creative Galactic? Director of the Universe <laughs> is like a sticky title. I like that, actually. Um, do you want me to retrack? No. I, I mean, if you want, you can, but it doesn't really no, matter. It's fine. There is no secret recipe for balance. But I find like 
things are always shifting. Schedules always shift. There's going to be important things on both ends, personal and work front, and you just figure out the formula. There's no secret, you know, and there are times where I feel like my head's going to pop off, but I kind of know that it has to be a fluid balance, you know, and as long as like I'm like taking care of myself physically and like mentally, I can usually keep it together. And then you're like, my head doesn't actually pop off. So exactly. It makes it so much exactly. Easier. It does. It, just feels it like does. It's gonna pop off. Yeah. And also understanding that like, you're never gonna make everybody happy all the time, <laughs> but keeping your sanity is important. So, you know, you got to do you. We were just having a conversation earlier when I first got here about how busy your girls are and oh, trying yeah. to manage oh. their schedule on yeah. top of managing your schedule. Like you have a good group of creatives here. Yeah. And then your daughters are really busy. Oh, yeah. Very active. Very social. And uh, very busy. I'm their admin. <laughs> you were scheduling there. all the classes and it's a lot. It could be a full time job. We can maybe teach them leadership skills in like a few more years where they can have their own calendar they need to develop. That's true. That's a great idea. They would love that. Yeah, they would actually really love that multiple colors for the different activities. We could get really creative with yes. it. Yeah, the girls would love that. What are some big life lessons you learned from your parents? Probably, definitely strength. My mom faced a lot of issues being a woman in predominantly male environment. And I learned a lot of lessons at a young age, kind of about um, you know, how to not take things personally all the time. And you know, women get pigeonholed very frequently as being like emotional. And it's like, oh no, like she's not emotional. And I, I just remember my mom sitting me down and kind of explaining to me, like, you need to be yourself and don't let people try to put you into a corner or label you. So that was like a pretty important lesson that I try to, to continue on, not take things so personally. And also don't assume things that you don't know that's you really know? important isn't it because yeah. our brains make up stories totally really, good at really creative <laughs> really creative <laughs> stories creative yeah really super creative so it's yeah. really easy to just make up stories yeah um that's a tough one but you know back to women being emotional i actually heard one investor say this year names i'm not going to mention is that off the record he was like i don't invest in women teams because they're too emotional he's mm. like i don't like having women run companies because there's too much inside fighting. And, and I was like, oh, but did you know that women run companies perform 64% better than male run companies? Mm. So there might be some truth to it. I think sometimes women do get emotional, but yeah. they settle it. Well, it's not a bad thing. I think a lot of, you know, traditionally men are told or raised and probably not so much anymore, but you know, not to cry and to hide, kind of hide emotions. So, you know, as females, I feel like it, we're lucky to have always had the ability to show emotion. I mean, we've talked about how powerful it is and everybody experiences them or not. Even if you claim that you're dead inside, you're actually not. You do experience emotion. And um, I think it's something that we need to f use it to our benefit. You know, it's not something to shy away from. And it's also, emotions are almost like a sixth sense, they're an instinct. Yeah. So if you have an emotion that makes you happy, that's a sure. sign. And if you have something that causes fear, well, that's sure. a sign. Yeah, your gut tells you, right? That's your. That's an emotional, physical reaction. I mean, it's, um, it's something not to ignore. I think your gut sends a lot more signals to your brain than the heart. 
-hmm. Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about this because I'm going to get the science wrong because I'm not a scientist. <laughs> so, going on Whatever to you say. the next question. <laughs> um, two more left. Sure. Um, uh, you are one of the best writers I know. What advice do you have for people who would like to improve their writing? Thank you, first of all. You sweet. I would say if you're looking to improve your writing, take a subject that is really boring, that you're not interested in, that you're not passionate about, and try to inject passion and interest in it. It's a really good creative challenge. And I, you know, I always say like, write your passion and, did, and always follow that, but it kind of tricks your brain um, and it can rejigger it in order when you go back to the things that you work on from a day-to-day -day basis or go to your passion projects, you'll be sharper. You'll kind of bring back to the game a different tool set, you know, from kind of challenging yourself. And that's what you should always do. I mean, I, I still work on sharpening my writing skills. It's something that you never will perfect. Yeah, always challenge yourself. And you know, maybe that's a metaphor for life too, because sometimes we have to make the boring things really, really fun. Yeah. And uh, I talk about this with my boyfriend too, because sometimes we go to the grocery store, but we make it really fun. Yeah. Or, you know, just boring things that you have to do. You have to make them fun. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Because it's it's a choice. I mean, make it fun or not make it fun. Exactly. You can be miserable doing it, or you can find the silver lining in it. Yoko Ono has a quote. She said, "Why march through life when you can dance?" Amen, Yoko. Amen, Yoko. Dan so, dance at all at all costs at all times. That's what I say. Dance party all, all the time. Yeah. So, what is your dream now that you're an adult? <sighs> Imagine that now. What is my dream as an adult? I feel like I have like a billion of them. You know, I I I want to I want to connect people. I want to do good. I want to um, create like a, a, a proud legacy for my kids. I want to travel more. Um, there's, you know, this world is a very beautiful place and, um, you know, so, such a wide variety of cultures and I think it's all like a beautiful, wonderful place and I just, I hope to touch and connect and um, be a part of it, you know, more and more, connect myself and Meet great people. Yeah. No great people. Right back at you. <laughs> you know, we met like way back in the day we in did. advertising school we did. at SBA, and you That's remained right. one of my really close I know. Friends. I know. Been, you're one of the best because we don't have to text like every day. No. But we're there for each other. You just, we Both hit coasts, that. Yep. East Coast, you were there. Yep. West Coast, we were there. That's right. We just make time Coast to, to coast. Coast to coast. We make it Galactic. happen. Galactic. I know. The universe. <laughs> Magical. Magical, it really is. You're it magical, is. and I've always been, um, you know, a huge supporter of you and your projects because I think you. you're a genius. Oh, well, thank you. Likewise. Thanks. Likewise. I know it's kind of magical. It's been a long time. I know. We've you been know? through like a lot of New York. To get, we went through the blackout together. Yeah. Yes, we place. did. Oh, yes, you did. You <laughs> yes. showed up in my lobby. I was like, oh, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was living in Spanish Harlem at the time, and my boyfriend was living in Brooklyn. We tried to meet up in Soho, and we mm. missed each other. And I decided to skateboard back to Spanish Harlem. Oh my goodness. And I realized it was getting really dark and things were getting really intense in New York and I realized yeah. that I, I would not be able to make it back yeah. to Spanish Harlem so I showed up on your doorstep. Yeah. And we spent... <laughs> yeah, it was fun. We spent a long like day or two in your building yep. without any lights on the very high floor, like yep. 20 something, <laughs> without any electricity. 
No elevators yeah. running. Well, yeah. You know, life experience, right? It was amazing, but that's what I remember. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun, fun adventures we together. We did. We did. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, on to many more adventures. So thank you for being on my podcast. You were the best. My pleasure. It was fun. It was really I want to fun. talk more. Yes, we will. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast. It's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more. And together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love. Share it with your friends. Have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.